Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. Father, we love you. You're so good to us. And uh, we thank you that you're invited us into this personal, intimate relationship with you. And then along with that, the gift of being connected together as a body of Christ. So I just thank you for one another. I thank you for for this family. Thank you for every member, every individual. God, thank you for the body of Christ. It's such a blessing to be able to do this together. We thank you for this midweek service and we thank you for our nursery ministry tonight, our toddler ministry, our children's ministry, our youth ministry, our young adult ministry, this class, Lord, everything that's going on. We just pray, Holy Spirit, just anoint, anoint every room, anoint everything that's being done and let it, let it glorify you. We pray for those that are watching online tonight that couldn't be here in person, whether they're working or sick, and we just bless them. We just pray that they feel your presence as they, as they watch this and listen to your word. And uh, Lord, for those of, of us that are here tonight that have maybe been running all day long, uh, tired, maybe feeling a little bit distracted, I just pray that we're able to separate from that right now in this moment that we're able to pull up to the table that you've invited us to and that we're able to give you our attention. You have our heart, you have our mind, you have our ears. Take this next 55 minutes, Lord, and just speak into each and every one of us. We thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, bring revelation to every heart, bring understanding. We love you and honor you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, open up your Bible to, um, well, you know where, Matthew chapter 5. So it starts out in Matthew 5, Jesus, the beginning of this sermon, and he gives the eight Beatitudes. Uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Um, go online, they're all on there. I spent two weeks, maybe two and a half on the Beatitudes, and I learned so many, so many new things this time around. So watch this. So, you have the, so, so he starts off and he gives these eight Beatitudes. Then he talks about coming right out that, how, how he's empowered us to be in partnership with him, to be, to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, okay? Us, he wants to use us for that. And, but the, the, what we miss in that sometimes is, in that particular few verses, is maintaining the saltiness and maintaining the flame. Amen? So I preached on that. Go back, listen to it if you need to. Remember, the light wasn't a light. It wasn't electricity. It was a burning flame. It was a wick in oil. So anything that came over the top of that suffocated the flame and literally put the fire out. It's a big difference than what we think about as a light switch. So don't let anything over your life that overwhelms you or overshadows you, that'll put out that flame, okay? So that's what he's telling us in that. Anyway, see, I just can't stop. And then, so we got the Beatitudes. Here's, here's how you're gonna live. This kingdom lifestyle, you're gonna be the salt of the earth, you're gonna be the light of the world. And then Jesus is so good, he, said, he gives us six warnings or six temptations that he knows 
that we're going to face in this lifestyle that are going to try to uh, render us ineffective in those eight beatitudes and keep us from being the salt and the light. So those are um, where are those? Those are start at verse twenty one. And I think it goes through verse 48. You'll have to kind of look in there and, and see. But I think it started as verse 21. Then, yeah, because salt and light ends at, at, are at 20. So from 21 on through 5, then it, you, you'll find the six temptations that he calls us to resist. So the first temptation is in verse 21 through 26. So make that mark, okay? And it is to resist the temptation to give in to anger. I've specifically held back on that one because I wanted to release that one on, on a Sunday. I was going to release it this past Sunday, but I went to my grandson's baptism. Praise Jesus. It was so special. And I thank you guys for allowing me to go do that. But that's the first temptation. And then the second one is in verse 27 to 30, and it is to resist the spirit of immorality. Um, it, it's where he talks about adultery and how it begins with the eye, okay? And we, we broke that down and what all that means, but it wasn't just a physical act of adultery. He's talking about resisting spiritual immorality that begins with our eyes, okay? And then the, the fourth the fourth uh, uh, one or the, or the third one, I mean, was to resist the temptation to break the marriage covenant. And that's in verse 31 to 32. And then the fourth temptation was to resist the temptation to make false commitments, right? Uh, he says in there to let your yes be yes and your no be no because our word is our worth, in the world and the people around us in regards to our influence and as a reflection of him because he's true to his word, okay? So anyways, go back and listen to that one. So, so there's the four. I'm gonna finish the last two tonight, Lord willing, in 45 minutes. So here we go. The fifth temptation is resisting retaliation and defensiveness, Resisting retaliation and defensiveness. It's in verse 38 to 42. Let's read it together. So Matthew 5, beginning in verse 38. I'm just going to go ahead and start to read Matthew 5 and 38. So you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. So if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And then whoever compels you to go one mile, then go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Okay, so here's a powerful lesson. He's given us a warning here, but he's saying, okay, you're going to have to resist this because it's going to be part of your flesh is going to struggle in this at times when you step into this supernatural lifestyle and you're living out these beatitudes. And so the fifth one is resisting retaliation and defensiveness. So let's just jump into it. Again, this is such powerful insight that Jesus is giving to us here. So Again, it's directly connected to all of the eight Beatitudes. 
So he says, guys, you're going to have vulnerability in these six areas. And if you're going to live out this kingdom lifestyle and maintain your saltiness and not let anything put that flame out, this is, this is what it's going to look like. You're going to have to resist these things, these core things that I'm giving to you, these temptations when they knock on your door. So here we have this one in regards to retaliation and defensiveness. And in these, in these four verses here, uh, five verses, uh, Jesus gives four illustrations of refusing retaliation and defensiveness. How many can just, can we just all be real and, and confess that sometimes it's really hard to retaliate when we know we're right? It just is. It's hard to retaliate when we know we're right and when we've really been done wrong or whatever that it is, and then it's extremely hard not to be defensive back in it because we need, to, we need to make our point. At the end of the day, everyone needs to know that I'm right, whatever that it is. So Jesus is talking to us about that. So again, it's such powerful. So he gives these four illustrations of refusing that retaliation, refusing defensiveness, and uh, it's like he's saying, and this is what we need to grab a hold of. He's saying, you're going to have conflict. You're going to have conflict. People are going to try to take advantage of you. So here's the spirit. It's not as much about the details here as as much as the spirit that he's telling us to operate in. And it really leads us back to the eight Beatitudes because, because blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. So there's that walking and living in meekness and being pure in heart and living as peacemakers. So everything kind of leads back to those. But he knows our flesh wants to retaliate and our flesh wants to be defensive. So he says, if you're going to live out that lifestyle, then you're going to have to die to your flesh because you've got to be able to resist the temptation of retaliating and being defensive when it knocks on your door because it's going to be there. Amen? So this is important. The first thing that he says is in verse 38 to 39. And he says, do not resist. You've heard that it is said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn, turn to him the other. Um, it's important to define what he's recognizing here as an evil person first, because this is a key part of the context. It's, it's people pursuing you in all four of these situations. It's people pursuing you with having evil goals or wrong motives. And then he gives four illustrations of that. And this first one here, again, in, in verse 38 and 39, is turning the other cheek. And he says, he says do, not, do not resist. So the Greek word for that means to oppose or to, or to fight back. So in other words, we're not to, we're not to retaliate or, or seek to pay, pay, pay back people who have evil motives towards us, Okay. It's the heart of the point that he's making. So Jesus calls us to live with this liberated heart that is free from revenge, um, from defensiveness or entitlement to pay someone back for what, for what they've done. So he says, whoever slaps you then on the right cheek, turn, turn to him 
the uh, also the other. So again, he's not speaking about physical injury, um, but he's talking about being insulted. It's talking about being insulted. It's speaking of verbal abuse, not not physical violence. So he's calling us not to seek revenge when we've been resulted and to, to not retaliate. So here's a verse you can write down in 1 Peter 2, in 22 and 23, it says, talking about this, Jesus says, who committed, who committed no sin, talking about Jesus, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return, but when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges rightly. It's so powerful, so powerful. And then in Romans 19, or Romans 12, verse 9 to 21, make reference to that because I don't have time to read it. I'm just going to quote a few things in these verses. This is so powerful. Again, Romans 12, verse 9 to 21. In in those verses, it says, bless and do not curse. He says, do not be wise in your own opinion. He says, repay no one evil for evil. He says, do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Isn't that powerful? So this, the, first, the first illustration is, is turning the other cheek in regards to being insulted with words or whatever from, from people that have evil intent or wrong motives in what they're sharing about you or talking to you, whatever that may be. And again, this illustration of Jesus and how he handled it, man, that's, that's, that's so key. So he's like, these things are gonna happen, guys. This is what he's warning us to. Like, this is gonna happen. Life gets messy. People get hurt. You get hurt. This happens. Here's how you're gonna need to be able to spawn so that you don't lose your saltiness and so you don't let these things come over you that ultimately then will suffocate that flame, right, in your life. So that's the first illustration. The second one that he gives is in verse 40, and it's about being sued for your for your shirt or for your, for your tunic. And it uh, says, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also, right there in verse 40. So we're not, we're not to fight against people who attack us by, uh, in this illustration, by using the legal system to take a small possession uh, like a shirt. So the, the issue, when you look at this in, in, context of all that he's saying here, the issue is in the smallness of the attack. Like, who sues someone for a shirt? Right? So you got to think about that. I've read this many a times, and I, I knew in the context of, of, these, of these five verses what he was saying, but I'm like, I didn't know that I fully grasped it. Like, who, who sues for the possession of a shirt? Um, no one. Absolutely no one does, right? And we, we know that. So this illustration is drawing attention to the fact that when, when the one suing is doing it out of offense, it, it's, not a, it's not a possession, right? It's not, a, it's not about the possession, but it's about, it's about the heart. So, so Jesus isn't referring to a lawsuit that would jeopardize your business or jeopardize your home or your ability to provide for your family. He's saying, hey, if an evil person uh, uh, gets to the point where they want to sue you or come at you for something uh, such a small amount that you can afford, give it to them willingly, 
Like the gist of it says, is your soul worth losing your influence, impacting them, carrying offense, carrying bitterness, whatever that it may be, amen? He's like, give him, give him, give him the shirt, right? Give it to him willingly. It's like you might sometimes injure, and this is where I feel like the flesh comes in because it really doesn't cost us to give us our shirt. We're not really worried. In that case, sister, I am not worried about my shirt. You know what I'm worried about? I'm worried about my pride. Because I need it validated that I was right. So if they give my shirt and I just give in to that, then I'm just giving in that, okay, you were right and I'm wrong. Jesus is saying, praise God, do it. Because your shirt isn't worth it. This is good stuff. It's not, this I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not good for our flesh. Our tendency is to insist on our, on our petty, sometimes even legal right, and stand on the principles of the matter, and Jesus says it's not worth it. Matter of fact, go ahead and give him your cloak along with it, along with the tunic. Just go ahead and let him have the coat too. And don't do it out of a, out of a wrong spirit. Do it out of a right spirit where they know you're genuine and that you're loving them through it. Isn't that powerful? So that's two. Okay, the third one is um, being forced to go one mile. Here's the third, the third illustration he uses in this uh, about resisting the temptation to retaliate or be defensive is in verse 41, and it says, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. So if you've been here for a while, you've heard me preach on this principle because I, I believe that we're called to live a second mile life and beyond, not just the mile, not just what's required, but going beyond what's required. So Jesus is kind of bringing this in. What you may not know, if you haven't been here very long and haven't heard me preach on this, what makes this statement so important to who Jesus was speaking to is that the Roman soldiers had the legal authority to require a man to carry a soldier's gear for one mile. So that Roman soldier could be anywhere around there and he could come to you and you can be on your way to work, you can be on the way to, to get supper ready or whatever and legally he could require you to stop right there no matter what you were doing and take all of his gear and carry it for one mile. That was a legal requirement. So the people, obviously, somewhat, the majority anyways, um, despise this law because just as it would us, that would be an inconvenience. I don't know about you, but I've been busy all day long. I needed to get places. Amen? I definitely didn't want to carry gear for a, for a mile. So, that, so it, it, wasn't, it, it was an issue somewhat. And so, so uh, they didn't like the inconvenient. I'm, I'm sure it was annoying. Um, I'm sure it was somewhat humiliating to a degree. It would be to us. Again, there'd be a little bit of cost of pride there maybe even. And, uh, and to some degree, I'm going to say it probably just didn't seem fair. So most people obeyed the legal requirement, but Jesus brought this in in this context because he knew this was part of their lifestyle. And he brought it in because he's not talking about the action as much as he's talking about the spirit behind the action. Remember, he's talking about our heart here. So he brings this in because he knew it was something that would impact the world in that day. And, um, 
Again, most people obeyed the, the requirement because they know it was, a, it was a legal, it was a law, but they, most people did it with the wrong spirit. So you know what I'm going to do? All right, I'll go that mile and I'll carry your gear and the whole way there, you're going to know how upset I am about it. And I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and do this because I know I have to because you're on my authority. But while I'm carrying it, everyone around me is going to know how upset I am that you're making me carry this weight. This passage addresses our natural resentment at the small demands of the government or of those in authority. The point, the point Jesus was making to these people was not was was to not re- resist doing what they were required by seeking loopholes or doing it in the wrong spirit but by doing it in the right spirit and not and then going beyond what was required that's the that's the second mile attitude so we're to we're to cooperate with their request and not ignore it again Jesus is not calling us to become indentured servants to the government here but to bear with the small inconveniences with the right spirit it's servanthood it's servanthood i have a legal requirement that if Officer Forston leaves before I do tonight and gets to Chandler before I do, and I speed through Chandler and he pulls me over, I have a legal requirement to pull my vehicle over. I do. It's going to inconvenience me because tonight is game five of the World Series. And I'm going to go home and eat. And I need to let my dog out. I got things to do. I got things to do. So it's going to inconvenience me. Probably someone was going faster than I was. So I'm going to be like, well, how come you didn't pull them over? But I'm obligated to pull over. And then if you pull me over, I'm obligated to treat you like you're in authority, protecting our community. And I'm to respect you and I'm to honor you. And when he asks for my license and registration, I'm supposed to give him my license and registration. And then anything else he asks me to do, I'm to do this second mile on that. Come on. That's just one. That's, that's an easy one. I can give some more, but I really don't feel like tap on that stuff. But are you guys getting what I'm laying down? Okay. Bear with the small inconveniences with the right spirit. God, he is calling us in this, in this lifestyle, this supernatural kingdom lifestyle to live with the right spirit and to live in the spirit of servanthood. Amen? Okay? And to not, to not retaliate, to not be defensive in all these little things. Okay? And then the fourth one then, 
that he gives. And I'm going to get going because I'm going to get to the final, the final one tonight. But the, the fourth thing that he gives us is letting people borrow from you. So here's the fourth illustration here in this particular temptation that he's telling us to resist. And it is, uh, it, it's verse 42, give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you and do not, do not turn away. So again, he's still talking in all these illustrations about, about that evil person. He's about, so all of these are in regards to a person that had wrong motives with you and how they handled you. And in this illustration, he says, hey, um, there, it's still that person, here they are, and I want you to allow that person, that evil person, that people that had those wrong motives against you, that planned something wrong, that tried to bring some kind of harm or insult to you, or what, he says, let them borrow from you. <laughs> you guys are looking at me like, yeah, but you know, there's some people in your life right now, if they called you right now, you might not want to give them what you have. They can have anything out of my barn, whatever. And maybe right now in your life, everything's good, so you can't really think, I think if anybody called me right now, anything that I had, but I promise you, probably every, no, every person in here has had something happen in your life that in that moment, there was such pain attached to it and such offense attached to it, right? That in that moment, you would not even possibly imagine them calling you after the things that they just said, maybe like 30 minutes later and saying, hey, by the way, I know that you saw all that stuff that I posted out there, but... I actually need a trailer right now, 12-footer, and I know you got one. Can I come by and get that? Let me pray about that. And we all know what that answer is going to be. I just like to make this stuff real, but come on. I don't feel like we're going to grow if we're not going to be real. I just love Jesus because he brings real-life stuff into this thing. This is about living out the Beatitudes. This is about living in meekness, living in pure heart. Come on, man. This is about, about, about seeking and pursuing righteousness, about being peacemakers, about hungering and thirsting for, about all those things, about being salt and light. And he's so good. And he's like, you know what? More than likely for most of you, you're not going to go out and become crack addicts tonight. But I'm going to tell you what will get you before that will be. It's going to be the offense and relationships that, you come, that come against you. It's going to be the people close to you that you live with, that's around you, that, that's over you, that, that you're under, that you work with, that you rub shoulders with, that you vacationed with, and there's going to be something that's going to come up, and that offense is going to come, and Jesus, I want you to be ready for it, because I want you to resist the spirit of retaliation and the spirit of defensiveness, and I want you to let my love flow. It's the heart of God. He's so good. Everybody doing Okay. Amen. So the fifth warning or temptation is to resist retaliation and defensiveness. How many know this Sermon on the Mount isn't a popular sermon? Whose sermon was it? <laughs> we got a whole lot of popular sermons in the church today, but they're not Jesus' sermon. They're sermons that aren't really truly lining up with this lifestyle. And I'm all for the church. I'm just saying we need an awakening in the church. 
<clears throat> okay. Here's the, here's the sixth temptation. And then again, Sunday morning, I'm going to preach on the first temptation, which is the spirit of anger. And I'm going to spend time on that because it's such a big deal to all of us. So the, the sixth temptation that Jesus gives is in verse 43 through 48. Verse 43 through 48. <clears throat> he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Man, isn't this something? Now you may be sons of your father in heaven. How many want to be children of God? He just described what it looks like. Let's not overcomplicate it. For, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you, if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. Okay, so let's break this down. I've got 20 minutes and we can, we can do this. Everybody ready? So the sixth temptation is not being passive in our love towards our enemies. Not being passive in our love towards our enemies, verses 43 through 48. Jesus says, resist the temptation to be passive towards our enemies who, who maybe hate us, or definitely want to hurt us, maybe have wrong motives for us instead of actively loving them. So I don't know if you guys are paying attention to what just happened. Because our flesh really struggles with the fifth temptation. And that's just staying away from them. That's just not retaliating. That's not responding back on Facebook when you know you could write a whole book right there. Be strong, people. <laughs> Click out of that thing if you have to. Whatever that it is. So, so watch what just happened. Because he's so good. It's like... Resisting retaliation and defensiveness was the first step... And then now he says, I want you to actively show them love. I want you to actively show them love. So he told us what not to do, and then now he tells us what to do. When you really look at this, our relationship with God, family, friends, etc., are negatively impacted when we refuse to actively love our enemies. Not just ignore them, not just... I'll take my side, you take your side. Let's try not to be at the same place at the same time. But when we, but to, to, that's passive love. That's passive love. He calls us to so much more than that. You're not going to overcome it if you live that way. So to cause us into this active love with our enemies. So I, I think, I personally think this is probably the most challenging part of the whole Sermon on the Mount, to be honest with you. 
Because some of the other things we can oftentimes, sometimes conjure up enough strength. To, okay, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be kind. Just not going to say anything. I'll kind of keep my distance, blah, 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 blah. But this, Jesus is so good to not leave us there because he knows we wouldn't heal there and he knows that they won't heal there. And ultimately, we won't reflect his glory at that passive place. So now he drives this last one home. And what he's doing is empowering the kingdom of God to be released out of us. And he's saying, if you want the kingdom of God to be released out of you, if you want my anointing to flow, here's what's going to have to happen. And he's going to have to resist the temptation to retaliate and be defensive. And then you're going to have to break out of your flesh, get out of pride, and not live passively in love. You're going you're to actively go love those people. Come on. In the midst of your pain, in the midst of their pain, in the midst of hurt, someone has to go actively, actively release love. Isn't that so good? Again, I think this is probably in, in all three of these chapters, in this whole sermon right here in verse 43 through 48 is probably one of the most challenging areas for us. It's in, in, but, but I want to I share this with you. Embracing this ushers us into a supernatural lifestyle. And he knows that, and that's why he's calling us to it. It ushers us into that. It's, it's, it's to be able to live out that meekness. It's about to truly begin to be able to live with a pure heart and live as a peacemaker, whatever, all these things he's called us into. So how many of you know, it's a, it's, again, it's a, it's a victory to say nothing and not retaliate sometimes against our like To me, that, sometimes that's, a, that's the initial victory. We held ourselves, we held our tongue, we typed it all out, but we didn't hit send, whatever that it is. But Jesus calls us to do more than just keep passive distance from them. He calls us to actively love them instead of passively avoiding them. And this is where the kingdom of God advances right here, church. I'd also like to say this is where a lot, why and where a lot of churches don't advance. So I'm not talking about the world. Jesus wasn't talking to the world here. You guys understand that, right? In Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he was talking to all of his followers that gathered around at the sermon. He's talking to believers that believed in him, loved him, were following him, and he's instructing them now how to be a salt light in the earth. So he's talking to the, he's equipping the church and we, we need to make sure that we grab a hold of this because this affects all of us. This affects every one of us as, as the body of Christ. Amen? Every, it affects all of you because you're all family. And the one, the one thing the enemy always wants to do is divide, 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 separate. And we make it pretty easy for him. We make it pretty easy for them sometimes just within ourselves, within our own mistakes, within unwillingness to forgive, with our own pride, all these different things within ourselves that play into it. And then he just feeds on these things. And Jesus is saying, guys, you can't, you can't, you can't, you're not going to get where I need you to be. You're not, I'm not going to be able to release what I need to release over you in passive love, man. It's got, it's got to be active love. He's so good. Amen actively love them instead of, of passively avoiding them. Again, this is where the kingdom of God advances. So Jesus is referring to two things here. He's referring to our attitude and he's referring to our actions towards people in our everyday life. 
okay? Again, when you read this in full, read the whole context, put it in. I've read this before. People take this and the, the, the slap on a cheek and turn the other and all these different things in here, but he's not addressing this, this issue of, of self-defense. He's, he's talking about actively, actively loving our enemies, that people in our, in our everyday life with our attitudes and with our, with our actions. And then he says here in verse 44, he says, I say to you, and this is real important, and I'll, I'll break this down and I'll, I'll finish with this here in just a moment, but um, he, he finishes here in verse, four, in verse 44, or, and he says, but I say to you, love your enemies, write that down, bless those who curse you, write that down, do good to those who hate you, write that down. And then he says, pray for those who spitefully use you and, pers- and persecute you. So he gives us four, four things here, uh, four practical actions. And the first one he says to love, love, your, love them. You need to love your enemies. You need to step into that. You need to get before me. You need to get before me. You need to let me reveal your heart. You need to get right with me. We need to do some inner work in you, and then I need you then to go love your enemies. Well, you say, I do that. Well, what does love look like? So it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7. So we know if we have people in our life that we're, that we're not actively able to release those verses into, then we know that there's a problem. And then that's where we need to get along with God, get right, and then go to them and actively release. Because this is what he's calling us to do, go and love them. And he tells us exactly what love looks like. So there's the definition of it. And so it's an, it's a, and I just want to say it's an, it's an act of our will that transcends our negative feelings. Then as we obey this, our feelings will change. So one thing that I've learned, you can never wait for your feelings to line up. You line up with the word and your feelings will follow along. You step out on obedience and you break past the hurt and the pride or whatever that it is, and then your feelings for them will begin to line up. So he says, this is the first thing that you do. You step in and you begin to actively, actively love them. Amen? So practical. And then he says this. And this one, this one is so good. And I, I've, taught, I've taught a whole series on this several years ago on, on the power of a blessing. But the second thing that he says in verse 44 is he says to bless those who curse you. So those who have said wrong about you, those that have shared bad things about you, so discord, whatever that it may be, Jesus says bless those who curse you. Now watch this. What he's saying in this is, it's not the just the, you know, uh, bless you when someone sneezes, even though that's powerful. Any blessing's powerful. But, but what he's saying in this is, we're to speak out words of blessing over them. So you get alone in prayer, and then you begin to speak words of blessings over them. How do you do that? You begin to ask the father what's on his heart for them see what often we do is we go to the father and we make sure that he wasn't busy doing other things while that injustice was being done to us so therefore we in our prayer time remind him 
of how wrong that they were and that he would let them know. Jesus says, what I want you to do is I want you to come to me and then I want you to just ask me how I feel about them. Because I'm not going to celebrate their wrong. I'm not going to celebrate their error, but I celebrate how I made them and who I made them and my purpose for them. And so I'm going to tell you how much I love them. And I'll promise you something. If you'll get somewhere in a quiet place, and sometimes depending on the depth of the pain and the hurt and what you went through, sometimes it takes a while. Several years ago, I went down to the lake at Barclay Lake, and I spent three days in a hotel room fasting for three days in there. And it was on the third day that finally I got my breakthrough in this area. Should have happened in the first hour. Should have happened before I even got there. I don't know. It probably was me that took three days, I'm sure. He had to break things in me. But I'm telling you, if you'll genuinely get before the Lord and with people that have hurt you, and if you'll stop reminding God where they've erred at, and you'll just say, God, how do you feel about them? Will you show me your heart for them? Will you show me how to pray for them? Will you show me your plan for them? He'll be, and you get a pad and paper, he'll begin, to, he'll begin to give you details about them. He'll begin to reveal to you how valuable and how beautiful and how powerful and how anointed they are in his heart for them. And I'm going to tell you what, that's the only way because if you don't do that, you're not in agreement with him. Because when you're just talking about what you disagree with them on, you're not in agreement. But until you connect with his heart, then you're in agreement with him. And then you begin to speak those things out in prayer. That is bless those who curse you. You can't bless them with just maybe a general, I bless them kind of thing without getting a hold of God. And you get a hold of God and you ask God's heart, he'll reveal things to you. And you start praying those things out, it'll change your life. It'll definitely change the situation. I can promise you that. So he says to do this. Come in agreement with his thoughts and purpose for them. I'm telling you, it'll, it'll liberate you guys. It's the power of a blessing. If you want to learn more about that, um, you can go online. It's, uh, uh, the, uh, I think it is that. It's the, a friend of mine out of Texas. His name, uh, his name is Kerry Kirkwood, and it's called The Power of a Blessing. And it's this specific topic. It's one of the greatest books I've, I've ever read, but in that moment I needed to read it. So some, that's probably one reason why it was so powerful. But it really helped heal my heart of some wounds that I would carry. And, and I was unhealthy. I was unhealthy because I was carrying those wounds. And the Lord was so gracious enough to lead me to that and then walk me through that stuff. So that's, so, so love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Is everybody good? Okay, and then he says this. <laughs> no. Yeah, so that's good because uh, the, the first two we can kind of do on our own without any contact, but the, the third one puts us in contact. So, But then he says, do good to those who hate you. So love your enemies, bless those who curse you, come in agreement with heaven, and then do good to those who hate you. Um, look for practical ways to serve them, right? Uh, 
Uh, Romans Romans twelve talks about how we overcome evil evil with good. It's a it's a it's a call it's a call to action, right? So love your enemies, uh, 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 bless those, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. Again, that's a that's a call to action. It is really hard to stay mad at someone that just keeps doing good to you. I mean, sooner or later, it just gets really frustrating. <laughs> I'm trying to be mad here, right? I'm trying to hold this grudge, and you just keep showing up and picking up my leaves. Praise God. I'm tempted to upset someone just so maybe they'll come and do good in my yard right now. <laughs> the call to action. And then uh, the fourth one is, he says then to pray for those who, who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. When, you. when you pray for your enemy, you stand in the gap before God for them. It's ultimately, guys, this is, we know as a church, this is where the, where the battles are won. And it's ultimately where your heart will change for them as you begin to not only hear the Father's heart and begin to release his plan and his purpose and bless them, but pray for him, your heart will begin. It's really hard to, it's really hard to genuinely pray for someone and not love them. If you're genuinely praying the Father's heart for them, it's, it truly is. So he says, pray for those who persecute you, amen? It'll, again, it'll increase your love for them. Um, and as we know, Jesus prayed for his enemies as they were, as they were killing him, right? Luke uh, 23 and 34. And so, so here, here's, the, here's the action steps that, that he gives us here in, uh, in, this, in this part of it, and that is... Um, um, where am I at here? Love them, bless them, do good to them, and and pray for them. Amen. Amen. Don't give in to the temptation of passive love. This is what he's talking about. In verse forty-five, he talks about being like our father, being like our father. He says, God, God blesses evil people because it's his nature to love. He loves, he loves by making his sun rise on the evil and on the good, by sending rain to the just and to the unjust. Amen? It's all in verse 45. So it's, it's not, again, it's not, it's not out of approval for wickedness that he does this. It's, it's out of who he created them to be and his purpose and his plan for their life. It's out of love. It's out of love. I'm so grateful that he loved me that way when I was wronging him, when I was running from him, when I was living in evil and serving evil and doing evil back in the day. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that he continued to love me the way that he loves, aren't you? Amen? So this again, it's the same thing that he's called us into. And ultimately, what Jesus is bringing out here in this Sermon on the Mount right here in these six uh, temptations to resist is that, um, you know, we're, 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 uh, he created us to be a reflection of him. Amen? So our standard our standard of love is to love like he loves, and that's unconditional love. Yeah. And if we were all to be honest in here tonight, that's hard. That's hard. 
It's, it's hard in marriage sometimes. Hard in family. It's definitely hard in church family. It's most certainly hard during an election year. <laughs> Half the church loses their mind. Don't talk about it to you ever. But we need to be reminded of this. We need to be reminded of how Jesus tells us to respond. We need to be reminded that he's called us to this lifestyle, to not lose our saltiness, and to not let anything overshadow us that would, that would cause our flame to go out. Amen? And, then, and that this is the way that we reflect to people in these, these, two, these two last warnings or, or temptations that he tells us to resist here. And so I'm just so grateful for him and what he gives us. But this lifestyle of living out these kingdom, uh, this kingdom and beatitudes and man, thank you, God. So these six temptations, I'll give them to you and I'm going to close. Resist the temptation of allowing anger to manifest in your life. I'm going to bring this out Sunday. You're going to feel anger. You can't be human and not feel anger. It's a matter of what you do when you feel it. So he, he gives it, that's the first warning. He says, resist the temptation of allowing anger to manifest in your life. Second one was resist the temptation of immorality. And he talked about adultery and how you commit adultery through the eye before it goes into the act and the progression of sin, which is why really that warning is about immorality as a whole. So resist immorality. Third warning, resist the temptation of not honoring the marriage covenant. And he talked about the importance of that covenant in marriage. Amen. How many know that needs preached today? And then, he, and then uh, fourth, he talked about resist the temptation of making false commitments and the power of your word, your word. And it, that, that one is so important today as well. Fifthly, uh, resist the temptation of retaliation and defensiveness. And then the last temptation that he goes into is to resist the temptation of passively loving your enemies. He's called us into action and he tells us how to do it in that scripture. It should be active. Love them. Go do it. Go do it. Bless them. Pray for them. Love them. Serve them. Give to them. Give your cloak. Come on, don't let little things get in the way. All that kind of stuff. He's just so good at this lifestyle that he's called us into. So Lord, help us with that. Amen? <laughs> Anybody? Lord, help me with that. And then uh, all this sermon is so good. I'm not going to get through it. But next Wednesday's my last class for now on this topic. And the eight Beatitudes... The six temptations to resist, and then Jesus gives us uh, five spiritual disciplines to make sure that we that are active in our life that will empower us then to resist those temptations and live out the beatitudes. He's so good. He's like, here's how your life should look. Here's what's going to come in the way. And then here's what will empower you to not give in to what's in the way so that you can then live out the lifestyle. I mean, he, it's a masterpiece sermon. It's the best sermon that you'll ever hear. So next week, Lord willing, if we're here, you never know. Um, 
I'm going to give you the five, those five uh, things that he's, that he's given us in spiritual disciplines. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being patient with me tonight. I was not at my best. He was at his best. And this word's ministered to my heart, but my mind is not uh, fully connected. And so forgive me in that. I love you. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you that in our weaknesses, you are strong. Your word is all powerful. I love this sermon. I love it because it's not, it's not discipline. It's not a spanking. It's love. It's saying, sons and daughters, here's what I have for you. Here's what you can step into. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. Favored. Come on, vibrant in spirit are. This lifestyle that you have for us is what you're revealing. And then you're so good to let us know that in this world and in this battle of our, of our flesh that we have, God, that, that these six things, and there's more, but these six things you chose to highlight out of all of, of out of everything, you chose these six things to highlight that were going to be battles, that were going to be temptations that we would have to resist. And so we just thank you for illuminating them, for helping us recognizing them. And, and then we know, God, that you've empowered us through through the Holy Spirit, through his strength to be overcomers, to be more than overcomers. Uh, to truly be salt and to be light on this earth. So God, we just thank you for your word. We pray for the empowerment to walk these things out, to be able to resist these temptations, to truly operate then in meekness. And God, to have a pure heart in everything that we do, God. And to, to hunger, to hunger, the greatest hunger and the greatest thirst for our life, God. Let it be for righteousness. Let it be for your presence, God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see, they shall encounter, they shall experience the fullness of God and who you are. So God, let us have pure hearts. Help us. Convict us, Holy Spirit, where we need to go. Where we need to forgive, help us to forgive. Where we need to go show love, God, empower us to go show love. In every area that you've released into us, God, lead us, Holy Spirit, to walk these things out and put it in action and not, not, not let our love be passive, but let our love be active and let your glory be released through it. We ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you, bless you. See you Sunday. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time, 